It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Boom, there we go, ladies and gentlemen, we are live, it is offside, and it is right after the Maple Leafs opening night win, our podcast is proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co., check out the puck off Lagerdale, it's the absolute big beer for the big podcast, and none bigger than opening night, myself and Clark Monroe, Jake Corgi in the background riding the bike, (laughs) the shootout victory, but let's break it down. The intros, man, it begins, man. Ryan Reeves coming out like this. You oh. got Bradshaw living in the box, smiling, loving life. Absolutely fired up for the way this thing started. It was absolutely done right. Clark, what did you think of the intros, the hoopla, the happenstance, the everything that goes into starting off the Toronto Maple Leafs? Okay, James, first of all, I was at wing night with my family, so I missed out on a lot of the audio, uh, the audio intros, but I did pay attention. Sorry if I cut out there for a sec. I did pay attention to a lot of the visuals and the visuals are fantastic. It was a, for the most part, it was a typical kind of Leafs introduction, kind of classy, not too, not too wild, but at the same time, as soon as I saw Ryan Reeves come out there and give the flex and tap his arm. I was like, okay, listen, this is a different vibe for this team this year. Ryan Reeves is getting in a fight tonight, and he did. He got in a fight tonight. And, James, we talked about it, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago on the show. We talked about opening night against Montreal. Watch Ryan Reeves get out there and start a fight. Watch Tyler Bertuzzi get out there and start a fight. And they both did, and I was so pumped. Max Domi didn't really – I didn't notice Max Domi a lot tonight. Maybe we'll I didn't that. just want it's fine. It's game one. It is what it is. But I was so pumped to see Ryan Reeves get out there and mix it up, even if maybe he maybe got beat in the fight a little bit. But that's fine. And Tyler Bertuzzi was getting in there, mixing it up again. And it, you just got to love the vibe and attitude. Now, the game itself, that's a whole different thing. But when I saw Ryan Reeves come out there and flex and tap his bicep, I was like, you know what? This wouldn't have happened with a whole lot of guys in the last probably decade. And I love it. Let's go. I'm so pumped that Ryan Reeves is a Leaf. I don't care about his contract for the next three years. Let's go. So I was pretty excited to see it. Uh, again, intros. I mean, James, we've seen how many Maple Leafs introductions at this point, home opener introductions. It wasn't too much different than the past ones, 
but there was that different little vibe this year just because of that, and I was pretty pumped about it, and I was excited to see it. So I'm happy. Um, interesting game. We'll get into that, like I said. But, uh, yeah, overall, pretty interesting vibes. I'm pumped, and it made me feel even more excited about the season. Listen, I'm fired up for the season, man. I like the vibes. Um, a lot of people say Ryan Reeves got ragdolled. Ladies and gentlemen, calm your boots. Put whatever. them up. In back Game one, whatever. He did not get ragdolled. He got pushed over a net because Arbor Jackeye didn't want to get punched in his face. That's all it was. He was shoving him the entire time. There was no real fisticuffs there. I love Bertuzzi, though, just dusting, throwing hands as fast as he could. It wasn't a fight, but he was in the fight, and that's all that matters. Um, he, yeah, he dragged me. everybody else in, though, James. We talked about this several times. He dragged everybody else in. He got into it, and everyone – Mark Giordano, Jeremy said it when we were watching the game. Mark Giordano from the top top rope, he came out of nowhere and jumped right in there. Literally, he was like an eagle, man. He, was like, ah. <laughs> he jumped right in there. And you got to love it. And, and here's the thing. is that James, not, it's not always important that a guy just face washes a guy in a scrum. It's important if everyone else jumps in there and gets behind him. And I feel like that's something that the Leafs have lacked in, in recent years. And I think you'll agree with me 100% here is that even when Michael Bunting got into it last year, cause he was like our designated guy. I didn't see a whole lot of people getting in there with him. Tyler Bertuzzi tonight got into it and everybody jumped in with him. And I feel like that's Matthews, a really big everyone. difference. I feel like that's a vibe thing. And I told, I said this with the introductions, but I feel like the vibe is just different around these guys. And, and they, they have the ability to do that. And that's something that we've had for years. So that, even in itself, just to see Mark Giordano jump <laughs> jump off the ice to get in there and everyone else on the ice at the time jumped in, you got to love it. Listen, they're playing for the team, buddy. The team, it was a mentality thing. Everybody's sticking up. And by the way, Ryan Reeves, to start that first period, two big absolute hits. The second one draws Jackeye in and gets the Leafs on the power play. Something I told you would happen. He would yep. piss people off, get under people's skin, and make them take those instigator, retaliatory, or penalties. And that's what he did tonight. And it worked out well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You cannot be mad about that. The other thing for me, I like another piss and vinegar guy, but he was Gregorific. And that was Noah Gregor. Okay, yeah. this, this is Gregorific. This is fantastic right here. <laughs> I love that. It's Gregorific. It should be the name of the episode. He scored a goal. The guy came in on a PTO. He earned his way onto this team by being an absolute beast. Should be fine for a bit, but... And I love him. Love him on that fourth line. That fourth line did not look out of place at all. So I love the fact that it goes the way that it went. And look, Noah Gregor, Gregorific, man. What do you think of Noah Gregor, Clark? Come on. Well, first of all, I've been following Noah Gregor for a long time. Obviously, you know, I have a bit of a WHL connection with him just because he was always a rival. He was always on the Warriors and I was with the Pats and he was always on the Prince Albert Raiders while I was with the Pats. So and Victoria, but that was a small portion of his junior hockey career. But I've always been a real fan of Noah Gregor, just the style of play that he had, the speed, the scoring ability that he had. And now like we, I heard it in... Um, I think Brad Tree Living talked about it a little bit in his press conference just recently, just the other day, um, that Noah Gregor, listen, he was a prolific scorer in junior. He put up a lot of points. And since then, and we, I think, James, we talked about this last episode, uh, but since then, he's been able to find his way into the NHL. And prolific scorers in junior don't always find their way into the NHL. You have to find, depending on who you are, of course, 
you have to find something else that makes you stand out from everybody else. If you can't be a first line winger, not everybody can, you have to find something that makes you stand out from the rest. And Noah Gregor has been able to find that in his professional career so far. He's got the speed, he's got the forechecking ability, and he's got a little bit of tenacity in his game that not everybody can always find necessarily, especially if you're a star in junior, you don't always have to be that guy, but he's been able to find that. And it's early, but he did score the first goal. And James, not only did he score the first goal, he revealed the goal song, James, that we were yes, all waiting for. Pursuit of Happiness. And uh, at first, I didn't really realize what the song was. And then it kind of kicked in a little bit. And I was able to understand what it was. And I kind of dig it. I kind of like the goal song. So I'm going to... Now, here's the thing. For those who don't know, I have a bit of a background in hockey myself. I was, I was a game day director in the WHL. I chose the goal song for the Regina Pats uh, for three straight seasons. And my songs were always EDM, dance, you know, like fist pumping songs. So this is right up my alley. I'm, I'm a big fan of this direction that they're going in. So I'm a fan of it. And the fact that Noah Gregor scored the goal to reveal it just kind of seems kind of pretty cool for me. So uh, I love it. And uh, you know what? I think Noah Gregor already has shown signs, but showed signs in preseason. Uh, and shown, showed signs tonight that he's a pretty damn good fit in that fourth line left wing spot. And, you know, it's just, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But I think for the most part, we're going to like Noah Gregor. I'll just say that. But we're definitely going to love Noah Gregor. And we're talking about Noah Gregor being a prolific scorer in junior. Of course, not in the NHL ranks. A couple of comments filtering in. You know what, you know what James? I'll cut you off, though. He scored 10 goals last year. Like, that's not nothing. He scored 10 no, goals last year. No, nothing. I know. Definitely. I agree with you. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying some people say you hear prolific score and people think 30, 40, 50 goals. And obviously that's not what he is, but we shall see where it goes with Noah Gregor. But the guy that was on the roll tonight was Mr. John Klingberg. Oh my, this guy can help wheel and deal the puck. Obviously, I think he got three assists tonight. He made that power play look more lethal, more dangerous. He had guys... Montreal had to think more of what they were doing on the penalty kill because of that shot at the point, because of now it's no longer just the guys down low firing the puck or from the hash marks. There is a legit bomb from the point that can filter in and have goals be knocked in greasily. And I love it. I love greasy things. And Klingberg, he kept that puck in, and the goal happened with Wheel and Nylander. I love that one. But Klingberg tonight, man, oh, my. Tell me that I am not crazy. This guy may be the camp of a couple of years ago where we're like, this is the most underrated of the signings that we did. Yeah, and you know what, James? I was a big proponent of this because you know my stance on how the Leafs' blue line production has been over the last few years. I don't think it's been there. Uh, And I think that there's a lot of people that will say, you know, for the last few years, the Leafs' blue line has been soft. They've been offensively skilled guys, a lot of offensive guys, a lot of puck movers uh they like to use those buzzwords but to me i look at the numbers and there hasn't been a lot of guys that have actually put up legitimate numbers for the leafs blue line and we've talked about this so i don't i hope i'm not repeating myself too much uh, from past episodes but the numbers haven't been there yes they've had sandine yes they've had lilia grin who i don't even know at this point if you can really call him an offensive defenseman the way he's been playing over his career so far he hasn't proven that yet He's been more of a two-way guy, if anything. TJ Brody hasn't been an offensive guy. Jake McCabe, he could be, but he hasn't been. 
Justin Hall. I don't need to say too many things about Justin Hall. Jake I'm Muzzin not- hasn't. Jake, Jake Muzzin wasn't really an offensive guy. Mark Giordano's way past that point in his career. So we're looking at a, a blue line, and Morgan Riley's been fine, so I'm not going to say anything about Morgan Riley. But we're looking at a blue line that maybe some of them have been categorized as offensive guys or skill guys. Maybe they're not the most physical guys. Sure, I'll give you that. They're not the most physical guys. But they haven't been productive. And I think John Klingberg comes in as a guy – who's definitely looking to prove himself. He's, he's in kind of a make-or-break point in his career. Uh, Right-shot defenseman, very offensively based. He's also got some size that I think people forget about. He's I think he's 6'3". Not that he's, like, physically imposing, but he's got some size. Uh, right-shot guy who the Leafs, you know, Tyson Berry tried, but it didn't work. Uh, but this is a guy who's coming in as another legitimately offensively producing type of guy. And I just think the Leafs haven't really had that secondary option outside of Morgan Riley ever. I'm going to say ever, like maybe back to Nikita Zaitsev's rookie year, which feels dirty to say, <laughs> like that feels gross. He was a 40 point defenseman though. He was good. Uh, what are we going to say? He was good in his rookie year. So it is what it is. But uh, I feel like they haven't had a guy to uh, supplement Morgan Riley almost ever since Morgan Riley has come into the league. And I think that's a really important piece. And I've said this for a couple months, and you've heard me say it. I think that's an underrated narrative that the Leafs offensive or the Leafs defensive group hasn't been productive offensively, even though they've been labeled as soft and skilled or whatever you want to call it. They haven't actually been productive. More, uh, John Klingberg comes in tonight. Did he actually get three assists? Is that official? or Because I saw two for sure. Can you check that um, for me? I cannot check at the moment. That's fine. I also I'm device limited, but my boy Jay Corgi37 is going to hook me up here. He's going to hook us up. Mm. So he's going to tell me uh, the official numbers in a second when he finds it. And I just two, it still doesn't matter. He still set up the William Nylander goal that sent the Scotia Bank Center into a frenzy. Absolutely, he had at least two assists. Very important assists. And we get to a point where. we saw Morgan Riley on the power play for years. And Morgan Riley was fine on the power play. I'm not going to say anything bad about that guy. Big fan. Big fan of Morgan Riley. But how many times did we see Morgan Riley wrist shot a soft shot into a shin pad? How many times did we see Morgan Riley just try to get rid of the puck instead of actually making a play? Like, there's a difference between getting rid of the puck and actually making a play. John Klingberg tonight looked calm, poised looked smart, looked like he actually like had a plan when he was getting rid of the puck, and he made plays happen. And I, yep. I'm, again, if Morgan Riley came in next game and played power play quarterback, I wouldn't complain. But the fact that John Klingberg looks so good back there, this could be a game changer, and this power play could go from his the last couple of years top two to like – Dominant. If this is going to be the way he's going to play, and as early it's Montreal, say what you want yep. to say. But if it's going to be like this, that that could legitimately be a game changer. And on top of that, James, you know what happens when John Klingberg is your power play one? Means Morgan Riley is your power play two, and he's a power play one. So like, think about that. Like, it just makes everybody better. So I'm very excited about this. Nylander's goal wouldn't have happened necessarily the same way if if Riley left-handed shot was making no. that pass. John Klingberg made that pass. And I just, I can't say enough good things, so I'll, I'll maybe leave it there. But I think great first impression. 
and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Jeremy, do you have the numbers? Two. He had two assists. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, two assists tonight, but might as well have had three because he was that impactful. Super pumped to see where it goes from here. I'm I'm betting, and uh, I have a bet on this already, 35 to 40 points for John Klingberg at least, and I, I'd say that's on the low end. Let's go. I'm pumped. He's I think maybe overreaction overreaction Thursday, but I'm in. <laughs> hey, listen, he's he's gonna get uh, Wait, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's 53, Wednesday. <laughs> Fifty-three points. Fifty-three. You know what John Klingberg finished with this season? Book it now. I love um, it. Let's go. So let's switch to somebody who's gonna get a lot of points and a lot of different things. That's awesome, Matthews. The man had himself a hat trick. First, he said, "Hmm, first time in the NHL, I scored four goals on my debut." There's some kid named Connor Bedard who got an assist and a goal. That's cute. Well, let me kick off my season with a hattie. McDavid, I see you. Park your biscuits. Try to catch me, homie. I'm going to get that rocket this year. That's what Matthew said. He had that swagger tonight. He was bursting through the D. He was playing along the boards. He was doing all the things you want Austin Matthews to do with that lethal wrist shot to follow. And that boy got himself a hattie tonight. Set the Leafs up so nicely. Clark, what do we got to say about Austin freaking Matthews? I mean, his eighth career hat trick, I saw the stat flash up. And James, is there a more, <laughs> I don't want to say snake bitten because that's not the right word, but is there a more uh, stuck at two goals every time guy than Austin Matthews? Like eight no, career hat tricks for this guy. What, what, what season are we at for Austin Matthews now? Like his sixth or seventh season now? <laughs> And the fact that he only has eight hat tricks feels like a crime. Like he should have like forty hat tricks at this point. The way he he's had so many two goal games, it's not even funny. So many two goal games, and you look at the goals he scored tonight. Obviously, that first one was like you know kind of a crazy rebound or like a bounce that went to him, but he he sniped it. The second one, Jeremy even said it because Jeremy's a goalie uh, at heart uh, from the past. He's a historical goalie, and. Uh, <laughs> He even said that goal goes in on 100% of goalies. Like that little, he snuck it in by his skate. That goes in on everybody. And that's, yep. that's a goal scorer's type of goal. Like not everybody can do that necessarily. By the uh, way, can we pause then, for a moment on that one and just say how ballsy it was with 434 left that Guy Boucher said, let's take the goalie out and go see if we can get a play in the offensive zone. Hello, things we never do before. That was one of them right there. Yeah. Or is it Guy Boucher or is it, or is it Sheldon Keefe Unleashed, James? Hey, it's, it's pretty much both because Keefe has the final oh. word. Yeah, I love it either way. But it worked out. And you know what? How, how many times, James, have we seen – I'm going to say zero is the answer to this question before I even ask it. But how many times have we seen them down two goals with four and a half, five minutes left? They pull the goalie and then they tie it up? Zero? It's zero. Yeah. That's never happened before. Well, no. How many times do they go down by two goals in the third period and the shoulders start to slouch and the effort <laughs> yeah. level just disappears? It didn't disappear or, tonight. Or they're squeezing the sticks too hard and whatever. It, it never happens. That's where a guy like Reeves on the bench comes in handy. I, exact. Thank you. I don't know if it. I don't know if I've seen it happen. Anyways, it might have happened once or twice, but I, it, it's been rare. And you know the fact that it's Austin Matthews leading the way. It's you gotta you gotta feel so good about that this early in the season. Uh, he looks healthy. He looks lethal again, which he looked good last year, but he didn't look lethal like he did in his sixty goal season. I think you'll agree with me with that, James. When he was in his sixty goal season, I said so many times in my live streams on TikTok and whatever else 
that he just looked like a freaking robot out there. Like, you couldn't stop him if you wanted to. And tonight, maybe it wasn't at that level, but he looked lethal again. And and that's the Austin Matthews. This team needs to win a lot of games. Uh, and I, he looked amazing tonight. Looked really good. His shot looked good. He looked, he looked like he was ahead of the game again. And I feel like that's something that last year maybe we didn't see a lot with him. He looked great, but he never looked ahead of the game. Do you know what I mean? Like no, he looked like exactly one, what you mean. one step ahead and smarter than everyone. And I feel like he was back in that zone tonight. Uh, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. We'll see, obviously. But great sign in game one. Can't complain. Well, speaking of great signs, our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Networks, they got a great sign going on with DraftKings because the NFL season is going strong. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every day this October. Get in on the greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet 5 on the NFL that's code THPN on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your gambling problem. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS, licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, LA, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football. Terms and eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And responsible gaming resources. So check out our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Network. And check out our friends over at DraftKings. Get her done. Speaking of getting her done, my friend, William Nylander. A lot of people, a lot of people saying this game, where is Willie? He hits one off the bar, and then he gets that snipe on the power play. I'm looking at William Nylander saying, leave him on the wing. That's where he belongs. Figure out who you're going to use for your third-line center. If it's Mitten all year long, we'll talk about him in a minute. Or if it's going to be Pontus Holmberg or X, Y, or Z. Leave him where he is. Pay the man some money. Get them locked up. This guy, this core, they're looking like it's going to be fun this season. Let's see what happens. But for you, with William Nylander tonight, obviously there was a couple of shifts. You always say it about Willie, where it seemed like he wasn't dog on the puck. But that's not what Willie is. But he seemed like he had a lot more jam along the boards. And there was some shouting from the bench, if you did not hear, from certain guys saying to get his gear, like Ryan Reeves. Do not quit on it. Don't quit on the play. Don't give up. You can hear it from the bench when Willie was on the ice. So maybe those things will uh, resonate up in that beautiful blonde skull of his. Oh, he's Thor-like, my friend. Thor-like. Absolutely. Bring the hammer in more way than one. If you I'm not ashamed to say it. He's gorgeous. Listen, William Nylander scored a gorgeous goal. What do you think of Willie? Let's go. Well, I'm going to pull back on that a little bit with what you just said. Um, Ryan Reeves. And you know what, James? I said this uh, on one of our episodes here in the summer. But you know what? Ryan Reeves may be only going to play 9 or 10 minutes a night. But he's going to play 50 to 51 minutes on the bench. And as weird as that sounds to say, 
I think that's going to be way more important than people are giving it credit for. Like, I really feel like his attitude and vibe and his determination, just being with the guys on the bench. And, and not only that, this maybe not pertains to William Nylander in this, in this scenario a whole lot, but for him to be the guy who deflects the other team on the bench as much as he does, yeah. I feel like that's important. I don't think the Leafs have had that in years. And it feels, it seem, it might sound weird to say, but I feel like that role has been something the Leafs just haven't had. Yep. Guys chirp at the Leafs bench. We saw it. Remember that time? I think it was Montreal when Max Domi was still in Montreal. I think yep. it was Montreal. It and was. There was like, there was like five guys leaning over the bench, just chirping at the bench, and none yep. of the Leafs were saying a single thing. It was just it was Pumaris. Yes, yeah, and you know what? It was it was like nobody's doing nothing. And Ryan Reeves is the type of guy who's gonna get in the way of all that, take all of that, and give it all back, and let the other guys focus on everything else. And maybe that sounds stupid, but I think that's that's an underrated thing that Ryan Reeves is gonna be doing. And not only that, but he's on the bench, like you said, motivating these guys, telling, maybe calling some guys out at times, maybe saying, hey, you're not doing enough. I, I can see that you're not doing enough. And they haven't had a guy like that either. Uh, so I really feel like Ryan Reeves' role is a lot more than eight minutes on the ice or whatever you want to say a night. I feel like there's a lot more to it than that. But getting back to Willie, um, you know, every year with Willie, I feel like he gets a little bit better. And I've been watching this guy very closely because, James, you know I'm a William Nylander defender from day one. Like, I've been on this guy since Lord early. Shield for Willie. Absolutely. And I'll do it forever until he's on another team. <laughs> but Which he won't be, by the way, folks. I hope not. I'm, I'm personally on board with him being there forever. But uh, I feel like every year you see him in game one or two and you're like, oh, he added something this year. And this year, he just seems stronger. Uh, stronger skater, stronger on the stick, stronger on the puck, and I feel like stronger defensively. And I think every single year, he's worked a little bit on his defensive game. Jeremy Corgan's over here freaking out about the Canucks right now. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best not to react to this guy. <laughs> but I feel like William Nylander, again, every single year, he, he adds a little something. And tonight, I just noticed maybe he didn't have his best game of all time, but he looked he looked stronger. He looked a little bit faster. He looked smarter. And and again, maybe that's minor things. But with Willie, it's just adding little pieces to his game every single year. And I feel like tonight I saw a little bit more than I did last year. And James, if you remember, last year he had 40 goals and 47 assists. He was pretty yep. good. So, like you said, on the wing or the center, we'll see how that all plays out. Obviously, we have at least probably nine games with Fraser Minton. If Fraser Minton earns a spot... Then we got more games of Fraser Minton. We'll see. Like again, I didn't notice a ton out of Fraser Minton tonight, so I'm not gonna. We'll get into that next. But I really, really liked Nylander's game. If he's on the wing, we know what we're gonna get. We're gonna get an 80 to 90, maybe more points winger. Yep. And he looks strong. He was strong on the power play. Everything. So I'm feeling really great about William Nylander's game. I'm feeling good about Willie's game so far. Obviously, one game, a 6-5 shootout win if you're just joining us now for the Toronto Maple Leafs over the Montreal Canadiens to kick off the season. Um, speaking of the other two young guys, Nyes and Minton, I look at Matthew Nyes and say, hey, this is a guy who, again, was stripping pucks, battling hard, not giving up on plays, 
you know, not quitting for an inch of ice, which I love. He was so down on himself for taking that penalty in overtime uh, with the player driving around the Leafs net. You know, obviously the coaching staff will tell him not to be so hard on himself. The Leafs picked up the victory. It is what it is there. Frazier Mitten, for me, he did look fine on that third pair, uh, on the third line. He looked like he was doing well. Um, so for me, I look at Frazier Mitten and say, hey, he's going to grow into those shoes too. He needs a little bit more meat on his body, though, um, getting pushed around there by Montreal Canadiens players a little bit tonight. But that will come as he grows into his spot. So what do you think about Nyes and Mitten, the two Leafs, super rookies? Oh, I love it. So, again, I noticed a lot about Matthew Nyes tonight. I saw him out there buzzing around. So I'm getting up with a lot of guys, which is great. And that's what you want out of him because he's a Vancouver Discord. So Jeremy's, like, I think he, I've never seen him move this much in my life. I've known him for a long time. <laughs> uh, but Matthew Nice, I saw him getting in, in the mix. I saw him, you know, like you said, stealing pucks, doing his thing. Uh, he had a couple of chances late in the game, which I really like to see. He's getting in there. He's getting some important time on the ice. Uh, now, Fraser Mitten, I'm not <laughs> – sorry. <laughs> I got I got a Broadway show going on beside me here. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, Fraser Mitten, I didn't necessarily – I'm not going to say he played bad. Maybe game one, he just didn't stand out a whole lot to me. And that's not a problem. He's he's 19 years old. Here's the uh, thing, though, with game one. And tonight, we were all excited about big things, so we're expecting big impacts from everyone. So he may have had the impacts that he needed to have, but there was so much other stuff everyone else was focusing on and hyped up for that anything less than those things probably felt like a letdown, to be sure. honest. No, I agree with you there. And and here's the thing that I'm going to say, and this is kind of along the lines of what I said about Ryan Reeves, is that, you know what, if Fraser Minton is on the ice for, what did he, I don't even know what his final time on ice was. Uh, I'm going to say 12 minutes, maybe somewhere in that range. Uh, but if he's on the, if he's in the, if he's in the lineup, if he's on the roster, that means that you're allowing William Nylander to play in the top six. And that means that William Nylander is playing with Max Domi and, and John Tavares. And for me, that's kind of the same way as Ryan Reeves. Like if Ryan Reeves, is, if, if what did he play? 1132. So, okay. I was pretty close. 12 minutes. Uh, so if, if he's on the ice for the, that time on that third line center role, and yet you're allowing that top six to be absolutely loaded. And James, sure. let's be honest, this is probably the, I, I don't want to say the best top six, but it's probably the most loaded top six that we've seen in the Austin Matthews era. It is. It's interchangeable too, because you can switch two guys out and still have a bomb top six by putting up Nyes or Yarncroak. Sure, exactly. And I'd feel fine with either of those guys in there as well. But if you're looking at just name value alone and how we saw the, them play tonight, Bertuzzi and Domi are probably the best couple left wingers that we've seen in the Austin Matthews era. And, and on top of that, you're having a third line with these two rookies that we're talking about a lot in the preseason. And it's, it's great, but it, it, it just allows the lineup to be a lot more balanced. And what I want to see from Fraser Mitten, I don't need to see a world beater. I don't need to see a number one overall pick in Fraser Mitten. I need to see a guy who can hang. If he can hang, hang on the third line. If he can hang at 19 years old for nine games, we have to remember, this isn't a full season necessarily, probably, for Fraser Mitten. This is a nine-game audition. This is a nine-game resume edition for him. He's This isn't even a thing where we're expecting him to be in the in the lineup by November. Like, this is, this is the thing we have to remember. So 
every game he plays is in, impressive for me. Yeah. This is this is and James, I told you this earlier. I think today, this is in my recollection. Maybe somebody can can figure this out for me who's smarter. This is the first rookie I remember in my lifetime that the Leafs have ever done this with and nine gamed him, which is something the Leafs just haven't done historically. And maybe that's because they haven't had a good enough rookie, but they have had good rookies. The last maybe time I think it was was Rasmus Sandin, maybe the only one. But um, he didn't get nine games specifically. He, I think he played like six games or something, and then he played 40 games. Yep. They 40 gamed him, but they didn't nine game him, which is just allowing a really positive camp to get an experience with the team. And I just feel like they haven't done that in my recollection. And maybe I'm missing someone, but I just don't think they've done it. I'm looking at all the Leafs young guns of current day in front of my face, and there's not one that pops off this chart that I can yeah. tell you they did that with. And this is all like, all the way Morgan, back from Jack Hyman to Miko Lettinen to Nick Robertson. You yeah. name it, they have none of them. Uh, Morgan Riley played his first full season. He played his first full season. Uh, Kadri, he came up late in the year. That wasn't nine gaming. And Kadri uh, actually was a Kadri was sent back and was an right. emergency call up, right? As well during the season because they had no one, so they called him up. So yes, yeah, no, you. you're right. I I and I think back farther than that. I, I don't think they had any draft picks before that. So, like, I don't remember anybody. Uh, so, I don't think they've ever done this. I think Fraser Minton has worked himself into a conversation that literally he's in by himself. I don't think any other Leafs rookie has ever been in this conversation. Again, maybe I'm missing somebody, but I don't think I am. Uh, so, here's the thing. Is that Fraser Minton can play nine games and be completely mediocre, and that's a win. I think that's a win because it allows them to see what they have in them. It allows him to get some really great experience to go back to junior with and probably make the world junior team and have a great year down there with Kamloops. And it allows the team to load up their top six. And then guess what? Fraser Minton goes back after nine games. They can put Nylander back at center. It's early in the season. They can do that if they want. Or, like you said earlier, Holmberg or whoever. They They have options. So... I think this is huge for the team. We've never seen this. So I don't even know how to react truthfully because we've never seen the scenario play out. So I'm pumped. And like I said, Minton can be completely mediocre for nine games, and that's a win. So I'm pumped. I'm excited. That's the way I'm looking at it. We'll see how he goes, right? We'll see how he pans out as, as the nine games go on. And Bradford Living said the same thing, right? We'll see each We'll take it each game at a time and Just see how he fares. <laughs> That's a huge sign for next year. That's all I care about. Well, speaking of this year, there's a couple of guys who got a lot of hate this evening uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, it's TJ Brody and Sonar, a.k.a. Ilya Samsonov. Brody obviously blows a tire. It's the reason the first goal happened altogether. But a lot of people say he looks slow. He looked this. He looked that. To me, he looks a lot leaner this year, in my opinion. And he's still able to skate and hang with everyone. He made one mistake. It glorified everybody's opinion of him not being traded for freeing up cap space. I think he still is going to be a linchpin this season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe in Brody and what he brings. He is a two-on-one breakup machine. And as for Mr. Samsonov, a.k.a. Sonar, listen, it's game one. Do you guys not look at any of the scores throughout the regular season when the season starts? 
It's always higher scoring, man. No systems are in place. It's all kooky dukes and everything's out the windows and all new line players. They won the game. Let it go. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I don't. I didn't see any of the hate for TJ Brody, so maybe I'm a little bit behind on oh, this one. You should have been in my live then. Over 100 strong talking about TJ Brody. I avoided your live because I knew it would be toxic. It was not toxic, actually. It was quite nice. No. no I'm when the goal went in, everybody was talking about Brody. And then, obviously, when you talk to Chris Weigel, everybody says, well, ask him what you think about Brody. He fell. What What else do you want me to see? He tripped over the line. That's yeah. all it is. Well, like, it was. A, let's be honest. It was a 6-5 shootout game. So, <laughs> the defensive play probably wasn't great. The goaltending wasn't great. And it's game one. Uh, now, <clears throat> was there a couple of goals that I said to Jeremy Corrigan? J Corgi 37 that maybe should have not happened against Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. Uh, there was a few times I was like, Oh, that's a tough, that's a tough one. There was a yeah. couple bad that were really tough. Uh, it's game one. It's early in the season. I'm not going to hang Ilya Samsonov out to dry after game one. We saw him last year, have a couple rough games and look how he ended up having. He always he, responds with a strong game. He had great. He, he did. He always responded with great games. And at the end of the year, his numbers were some of the, I don't. I hate to say like, I hate to make grandiose statements this early in the season, but his numbers at the end of the year last year were some of the best we've seen from the Leafs from a Leafs goaltender in a while. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say he was the best goalie in Leafs history. Nope. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he had really good numbers last year, and that's because again, like you said, he bounced back from some tough performances, but also generally he was very good. So I'm going to leave it at that for Ilya Samsonov uh, and for TJ Brody, like. We we talked about it a lot in the playoffs last year. He he got he had some bad bounces to go against. He had some rough plays, but like you said, more often than not, TJ Brody is very solid. He's very reliable, and I'm not going to sit here in game one and say that 33 year old TJ Brody is like wash. I feel like overreactions after game one are ridiculous, and to say that a player is like washed after game one or whatever you want to say. Uh, come on, like let's let's slow slow your roll a little bit. Let's give him some time. He's generally been one of the better defensive players on this team for years, so I'm not going to sit here and say that he's bad. Now I will say, we talked about this I think last episode, or uh, maybe I was talking about it with Jeremy at work, and maybe I forgot. But <laughs> but he's he's that. No, we were talking about it last episode because I remember the words that I'm about to say. He's in that contract range now, James, where he's got one year left in his deal. He's got five yeah. million. And he's just, we have to just all accept this now. He's going to be that guy. He's going to be the guy that we all say is going to be in every single trade because of his contract. Regardless of how he plays, he's going to be in all the trade rumors. Now, I heard one today about John Klinberg being in a trade rumor. So he's played, he didn't even play a game yet and he was already in trade rumors. So you know what, you know what market, we know what team we're a fan base of. Like it's going to happen. Uh, so I'm not worried about trade rumors yet. We'll talk about that after a few games. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll hold my peace on the trade rumors. Uh, but honestly, if we're hating TJ Brody and Samsonov at this point, people are just looking for somebody to hate. And can we move past that? Like, honestly. like I'm, I read that every year there's somebody or somebody becomes the guy that is the guy. It was Yarn Croak before the season started. After tonight, it's Brody. It'll be somebody new. Until they latch on to someone like they did with Kerfoot. 
But I agree with you. Let's spare the hate and enjoy the season. Can we just like look at half, like positive things? Like, can we can we not be like happy about something for a change? Like Austin Matthews had a hat trick. William Elander scored. Matthew Nyes, Fraser Mitten looked pretty good. Uh, Noah Gregor, Noah Gregor scored a goal. Like, why, what, what are we doing being mad about everything every single game? Let's just chill and like I don't know. It's not going to happen, <laughs> but it's something that we can maybe start like chipping away at. Who knows? Before we move to our last topic of the evening, I want to ask you about uh, the game on the weekend. Kirill Kaprizov in the Minnesota Wild and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, we got to look the week ahead because we didn't do that on Sunday. We didn't play the uh, the, the week that will be for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What are you thinking on Saturday night? Obviously, it's early. Are we going to see more of a 6-5 shootout or is it going to be more dialed in, shall we speak, now that the Maple Leafs got the jitters out? I want to hear it from Clark. Yeah, yeah. Um Vancouver scored. Jeremy is not doing a dance. <laughs> there is less dancing this time than I saw last time. Oh, he's no, he's he's eating his popcorn. He's good. Popcorn. Yeah, no, they're got his popcorn. popcorn. Right. Uh, listen, I think Minnesota is definitely going to be a good team this year in terms of just generally. Like they're, I don't think they're going to be overwhelmingly good. I don't think they're going to be bad. Um, they'll be a good team. They're going to give you a hard night every single night. Uh, but the, the reality is with Minnesota. Uh, that $14.7 million with dead cap space. They can't spend that much money because of the Ryan Suter and Zach Parise buyouts. And you, I mean, people make fun of the Leafs all the time for their cap problems. Uh, I think Sens fans are quickly realizing that cap problems become a problem when you're an actual cap team. Like, sorry, hey, guess what? When you actually spend money on players, you end up having cap problems. That's kind of how it works. Uh, and Minnesota's really finding that out quickly uh, with the buyouts that they did to themselves. And that's not even that they're overspending on any players. They're really not there. Nope. If you look at friendly like page, it's <clears throat> like their, their team is actually reasonable. Um, they let go of some guys that they probably would have had to overpay. So they're actually set up. Okay. For their situation. Uh, Matt Boldy is going to be a great player. Kaprizov, we already know, is a great player. Zuccarello is a solid contributor on any team right now. In his Ryan career. Hartman. Uh, Ryan Hartman, solid player. They just extended him. Uh, they've got a decent little blue line. They have a really good young goalie, and they have Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Philip Gustafson, I should say his name, and Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, so, like, they're not set up terribly at all. Uh, so, I think on Saturday, we're going to see uh, a good test, uh, just like we saw in Montreal tonight. And I'm not going to say that Minnesota and Montreal are in a similar situation. They're not. But I think also Montreal is a little bit underrated this year. Uh, yeah. Just the fact that I don't think that they're really a bad team. They're just the – and Jeremy and I – I'm going to give credit to Jeremy. I think he said these words. They're just the worst team in their division. That just, just yeah. the, It's just the reality of their situation. I don't think they're necessarily the worst team in the league. Uh, they're just – they just happen to be in a very strong division, and they're the worst team probably – unless something crazy happens, in their division. Uh, so I think Montreal has a solid little team. And then you look at Minnesota, and the central division is all over the place. Uh, they have a couple very good teams. But outside of Colorado and Dallas, I think Dallas is probably the best team. No offense to Colorado. I think Dallas has just set up really well this season. Uh, and they probably will add and make their team even better. Um, but I think outside of those two teams, that's a – that's a 52-card shuffle right there. It could go any 
Anyway, I could see a scenario. Uh, maybe this is a strong statement, but I'm going to say it anyways. I could see a scenario where Chicago puts up a fight. Maybe not make a playoff or become a contender, but I could see them putting up a fight. Like, the Central is wild. Yep. No, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> that was a good one, actually. I feel pretty good about that pun. Um, but, oh, you're a funny guy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I just I see that that central division is just a straight up mystery. Um, and with Minnesota, they could finish anywhere from I'm going to say third right now to like freaking dead last. <laughs> like they could be anywhere. It's it's a wild, literally again I said it again division. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, on Saturday early in the season, uh, I think the Minnesota Wild have some very very good players, and you just never they could. A good goaltending performance, they probably will. They could get some really good offensive performances, they probably will. And you just never know. It could be another 6-5 game. Who knows? Uh, they're not historically a goal-scoring team, but it's early in the season. So anything could happen. Kirill Kaprizov could go off. Any of those players could go off. You, so I look for this as a good test early in the season just because they're a hard team to play against. They have good players. They have good goalies. So who knows? That's kind of what, the way I'm looking at Saturday. I still think the Leafs are the better team overall, but it's going to be a good test again early in the season. No, it definitely will be a good test, and I look forward to seeing what the Leafs can do, how they can shut down the uh, the goal scorers over on Minnesota, Matt Boldy, Kaprizov, Hartman, et cetera. Et cetera. Five good players, so you got to give them yeah. credit. I want to see what the Leafs' defense can do to stop the bleeding a little bit. You look at five goals going in tonight, you want to see – Better things in front of you. You want better lanes for your goaltender as well because obviously tonight there was a lot of pucks that were tipped. A lot of times Samsonov couldn't see the puck. But it's all about learning your new system and your new teammates. And those things will come with time, and it always does. We always say the first month of the season's wild, no pun intended. And ah. then it goes, it goes to tighten itself up. Something that needs to be tightened up. And this is where we're going to end the show tonight. And that is the, the pride tape. Uh, that is the... Basically, the ban the NHL has put on. Now, if you are going to get butthurt about this, then just tune out now. Because there should be no reason in the world that everyone cannot represent themselves the way they want to represent themselves without there being a repercussion. If you don't want to skate or wear a jersey or put pride tape on, you don't have to. That's okay. That's your choice to be who you want to be. But there are people that want to be allies, much like this show that want to stand with people regardless of it's just a pride tape or if it's a situation within the world that's going on. You want to be able to show that people that are in a time of need have allies and people to lean on when things get dark and things get rough because they do. And this is a small thing that goes on in the NHL, but now it is taken away. And, to me, I don't understand it. I love listening and seeing so many NHLers come out and say, hey, I don't give a shit. I'm We're still going to wear it. I'm still going to rock it. I'm going to do me. And I don't care if I get fined. What are you going to fire me? What are you, when Connor McDavid goes out with pride tape, you going to fire him? you going to suspend him? For what? For standing up for his beliefs? You didn't suspend anybody last year for stepping out when you had the nights that were scheduled. So you can't do it the other way. So if someone wants to skate out with it, you can't say you can't. You can't be like, whoa, you're suspended now because you didn't set the precedence last year. You didn't. So if you want to make something a distraction, Gary, you just did. 
You made it the biggest distraction it could possibly be by banning something. Why not allow people to just have the freedom to be who they are as long as they are not harming others? And this this right here supports so many people. And you've seen the post from so many people and so many groups and so many players, leagues, different personalities talking about this and saying how wrong this is. So how many times do you need to tell yourself or be told that you're ass backwards before you pull your head out of your ass and realize you've done the wrong thing? Sorry to say it that way, but that's just the blunt truth of it. Yeah. It's a stupid thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm just going to say it, my phone might die during this statement. So I hope it doesn't, but if it does, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, the NHL was about to start up game one. Well, well, sorry. Game two, game one was Tampa Bay and Nashville. It is what it is. Game two was Connor Bedard and Sidney Crosby. Okay. This is two of your friend franchise, two of your league faces. Yep. One historically, one new, and they're going at it night one. And what was every single person talking about? Pride tape. And and I I am not saying that's a bad like pride tape should be talked about in a positive way. Yep. But pride tape being talked about as a as a as a bad thing because it was a bad decision by people who weren't thinking about what repercussion repercussions repercussions. That decision would have had league-wide. And I know for a fact that it put a lot of people in very uncomfortable situations because game game it was day one of the NHL season or just before, and now everybody's being forced to talk about an issue that we thought we all fixed six or seven years ago. We've had pride nights. We've been making progressions. We've been making very good strides in supporting different communities. And let's just put pride tape aside for a second. We were making support on, or we were making as a league, I should say, I shouldn't say we, I'm not involved in the NHL, but the league itself was making strides on supporting military, supporting first nations, supporting uh, breast cancer, supporting all sorts of different things. And now with the, the sweeping statement that jerseys aren't allowed to be altered, James, not only does it does it denigrate or or uh, take away from Pride Nights, it takes away from all of those things. They can't do any of that now. How stupid does that sound? It's warm-ups. What are we doing here? This is warm-ups. We're talking about warm-ups. I'm going to get into Allen Iverson here. We're, <laughs> talking, we're talking about warm-ups here. What are we doing? Who cares? Why is this an issue? This is supporting people who want to be feel they want to feel included in this yep. sport. They want to feel included in these communities. They want to feel like they matter and they do. So why are we sitting here as again I say we? Why is this sport sitting here night 1 excitement galore about Connor Bedard, Sidney Crosby and their biggest thing is ah oh, we can't alter warm-up jerseys cuz that just puts a couple people in rough situations. What are we? What are we doing here? Like it just feels so backwards. It feels like we just took three years away, four or five years away from everything that this entire league, all the players have been pushing for, working for, 
trying to make this league, this sport, this league, something that people who thought they couldn't be included in felt a part of. And now we're sitting here taking that all away and making it a big distraction and making it something negative. It just feels so stupid, James. And I, I frankly, I hate it. It, 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 again, it just, it feels so backwards. It, it feels draining, honestly, because again, it seems like with the NHL and I'm probably burning some bridges here. So like Gary, if you're watching Gary Batman, if you're watching like, sorry, like, you know, we'll talk later, <laughs> but it just feels like, it seems like anytime the NHL takes two steps forward, they take like 18 steps back Yep. Uh, they or, or they're like 18 steps behind the other leagues for some reason, for no reason. Uh, that, and that's the biggest frustration I think for a lot of hockey fans that have been around this and have been, have been, trying to convince their friends to watch hockey or convince maybe some uh, foreigners or some people who feel like they're not included in something to come in and, hey, you know, watch, come watch a game with me. Uh, it feels like they're always behind. Or if they get ahead, they, they sweep their feet out from underneath them for no reason whatsoever. And this, that's what this feels like for me. Uh, and it, again, Pride Tape is taking the biggest brunt of this. It's not just the pride thing. It's it's all of it. It's Indigenous nights, which is huge in Canada, specifically. Uh, it's military nights, which is huge in the States, specifically, uh, but also in Canada. And it's all of it. It's all of it. And it just feels so, so short-sighted, so, so stupid, and so exclusive. And why? For no reason. And there's my little rant. I, my phone didn't die. I'll end it there because I'm talking. I'm just gonna You're right. I agree with you fully. But, yeah, but I, ladies and gentlemen. Now, now I'm thinking of something else. We, You know what? We talked to, in our group chat today, James. And uh, for those who don't know, we have a little group chat of Leafs fans and hockey and hockey TikTokers specifically, but hockey fans. And, you know, our friend Sienna was saying, why don't they just make it optional? They, they didn't have to ban it. They could just make it optional. And, and that's, that's problematic for me as well, James, if I can just quickly say this. Because if you make it optional, then it just becomes a witch hunt. Then, then it's just everybody – I'm pointing at Jeremy. I'm not, I don't mean to point at Jeremy. It's not you. But it, it's, it's, it's fans then are just – they're going to hawk eye all of these warm-ups and say, okay, who isn't, who isn't supporting this? And then it just becomes a, a thing for those players. And they don't want to be a part of that either. So this whole thing just seems so silly – because they had something good going. They had warm-up jerseys. They had warm-up tape. They had warm-up helmets. I don't know what they had. Everything yep. was a little And it wasn't a big deal. And then one player, two players, three players, decided it's a big deal. And for whatever reason, the NHL backed those players instead of the large majority that was supportive. And it just feels like, why are we supporting? And no offense, I don't want to like start a thing with those players or whatever sponsors maybe said something. But why are we supporting those few when the many are standing up for what's actually right? And why are we not supporting those people? And that's what's really, 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 really confusing for me as a hockey fan today, James. So before my phone dies, I'll end it there. No, listen, I fully agree with you. I'm here, and I agree with everything you just said about it. Uh, it sucks. It all sucks because it sucks the wind and everything we love. 
Um, the game should be inclusive. It should be for everyone. Right now, it is not. Uh, no. It doesn't matter what side you are on. It is not for everyone. It feels uh, backwards. It does, and it sucks. It sucks for a lot of people who thought this might be their safe space to come and watch a sporting event. Let's hope the NHL pulls its head out of their arse and figures it out. And if I can say, I hope that those people that did over the years find this sport to be that, I hope that they can still feel that. And I hope that the fan bases that were supporting it to begin with also can continue to support those people in their own way. And yeah. I hope that that's the case. And I hope that this doesn't make them maybe paint every hockey fan with a brush. And I hope that that's the case. But here we are today talking about <clears throat> So, here we well, are. Let's put a bow on the episode. Obviously, the Maple Leafs pulling out a 6-5 win yes. over the Montreal Canadiens in a shootout. And we'll close it with this one. And I quote, Matthews, despite scoring a hat trick, quoted saying, the new goal song doesn't register with him. Oh, Matthews said that. Matthews has just said that moments ago. Well, good thing they're going to have four goal songs apparently this year. So we'll see which one does register with Austin Matthews. But maybe he hated it so much it drove him to score more. Elliot Friedman also said he didn't really stick with him either. So I don't. I liked it personally, but I'm not Austin Matthews. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a least victory. It's the first one of the season. We will do these kind of podcasts after games if they fall on the right day, which is Wednesdays and Sundays. But ladies and gentlemen, you know what is around these parts. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.